Welcome to Focus on Success with Fazia Costi. Our program is designed to help you with executive function challenges. Our guest experts offer perspective, experience, and ideas to improve different aspects of your life. Now, here is your host, Fazia Costi. Hi, welcome to the show. I'm Fazia Costi, and today we are meeting with Lorraine McGuire. Um, she is she's overcome many personal challenges in her life and now is on the mission is on a mission to help others rise above the beliefs that are holding them back. She's overcome alcoholism, drugs, low self-confidence, overeating, anxiety, panic attacks, and was single for over 11 years before transforming her life. And now she's in a loving relationship and has been for over four years. Today, she lives a full life, helping others transform their lives through her work as a rapid transformational therapist, hypnotherapist, and motivational speaker. So welcome to the show, Lorraine. Thank you, Fazia. That was a mouthful for you, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm really looking forward to this. You know, today we're going to talk about how beliefs created in childhood affect our ability to function effectively. And, you know, I've heard many people talk about what, you know, baggage we carry and how our childhood belief systems impact our future decisions, our adult decisions, um, how they impact how we handle money, how we handle relationships, how we handle um, you know, every aspect of our work, you know, I, you know, it's just so impactful. So I, I'm really looking forward to having this conversation with you. Um, you know, let's start off with um, what, what are beliefs? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like something I didn't really even think about until I kind of came across rapid transformational therapy. I know, you know, like it was, that's what we all have. We all have beliefs. They're attitudes that our mind believes is true. So it may not be true, but there, you know, like the dictionary says, it's an acceptance that something is true, especially one without proof. So, you know, we can pick up beliefs in childhood. We can, pe- we can even create new beliefs today. But basically, a belief is something that our mind believes is to be true. So when we were children, we believed in Santa. We believed in the tooth bunny, the Easter fairy, whoever, you know, tooth fairy. I've got those <laughs> mixed up, didn't I? But, you know, like we believed in those things and they were just beliefs and they weren't true. So, you know, I use dogs as a really good example to explain beliefs to new clients. You know, so we could go down the road, Fazia, and you could have the belief that dogs are vicious and scary and dangerous. And I could think dogs are cuddly, fluffy, lick thing, things that lick me or whatever. And we go walking down the road together and we see a dog barking and you go, ah, scary dog, dangerous. It's going to attack us. It's going to bite us. And I'm like, oh, hello, cutie. Are you saying hello? Come on then. Come and say hello. Same, same scenario, different beliefs creating our attitude or our response or our reaction. Yeah. yeah so. Well, you know, it's funny when you were talking about that, I I had a similar experience when I was younger because I love dogs and we had a German shepherd and one of our daughters had a birthday party and we had some people come over and they saw the German shepherd and the first thing they, they had was a panic attack Yeah, and it kind of ruined our party a little bit, you know, because our dogs were used to being part of our such, you know, our activities and, and she really had a hard time. The dog did because we also had a lab at the time and a terrier (laughs) at the time. And the German shepherd was the only one this woman was afraid of. And it was because she had a bad experience 
That's when right. she was a child with a German shepherd, not a lab, not a terrier, but a German shepherd. And so it was very interesting. After that, I always made it very clear to people. We had dogs and you, <laughs> yes. had, to, you had to be okay with that if you're coming in our house, because it's not fair for the dog to be shunned <laughs> yeah, to a bedroom <laughs> while everyone else is having a good time. So I, I think those are very important things to to notice is that our beliefs do impact our everyday decisions. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, how how do you explain to your clients how beliefs are created? Well, that's your example there is just so perfect and you kind of stole my example. So I'm sorry. I love <laughs> no, no, that's great. I love it because it, it all ties in. So, you know, like the dog situation, you know, and I love the fact that that was so specific to just German shepherds, you know, like, yeah, uh, yeah like a lot of people will have um, – so you may have uh, uh, experience as a child where you are attacked by a dog or a scary dog does come up and bark. And mm -hmm. if the parent goes, oh, go away and stays calm and relaxed and just tells the dog to go away and the dog goes away and nothing happens. Sometimes the parent can panic and overreact. And then the child is watching this and goes, oh, mummy thinks dogs are vicious and scary. Therefore, I believe dogs are vicious and scary. And it gets imprinted in us. So sometimes it's not necessarily like I had quite a few dog experiences as a child, but I don't have a massive fear of dogs because there wasn't this overreaction and fear created. It was all kind of calmed mm -hmm. down. But basically, beliefs are created through childhood experiences mm -hmm. from parents, siblings, school teachers, our peers, um, if we've had abusers, abusers, um, and the mind makes an assumption. So it makes an assumption that something's true based on the experience. Now, it might not be true, but the mind goes, well, this must mean that I am. So this must mean that dogs are scary. This must mean that I'm not good enough. This must mean that I'm not lovable. Mummy and daddy fighting, for example, and you're watching this and you can't stop it. This must mm -hmm. mean I'm, I'm powerless. So, you know, like the difference I always say is like, here's a fact. A fact is I went to school, I made a mistake. The belief is I am a mistake, you know. So it's fact, internalized. It's internalized. And sometimes people have these experiences and they don't end up thinking they're a mistake because of, you know, the loving support around them. Other times people might have like, oh, why did you make a mistake? Why didn't you do better? Why didn't you try harder? So it can be all the things that go around it. Sometimes it can be one incidence that creates a belief. Sometimes it's habitual. So sometimes it's thoughts that we think consistently and habitually. So we've like, thought it over yeah. and over. Like yeah, my, so my person that came to my house that had that one dog incident, that was a one incident thing. That's right. So one incident with fear attached can cause a belief for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we can have similar situations happen over and over again. And so it's like, for example, fact, my parent, my mum wouldn't allow me to have the new shoes that I wanted, that everybody had, you know, like, and for a teenager, remember that, it's like, everybody's got those shoes. <laughs> um, you know, like, it's just a fact. The fact right. is that may maybe we couldn't afford them. Maybe, um, you know, that it would just, they, you know, yeah, probably couldn't afford them. Or... I actually know today some of the shoes that I wanted as a kid, I, I've got really high arches and, you know, flat footed shoes were not good for me. So actually my mum was going, those shoes aren't good for you because they're going to hurt your feet. But I didn't know that as a kid. What my mind decided was what I want, these shiny new shoes, is not available to me and never will be. So that then transposes to other things. You know, I, the shoes, I'm not, I, the shoes I want are never available to me. 
the relationships I want, the friendships, the job, the career, the success, the health, the wealth, the money, it, it can expand to other things. So if I have, you know, consistent experiences that keeps embedding those beliefs, that's how they're created. It's like we you pull the string and other things attached to it. Yeah, like the, the um, you know, magician with his mm -hmm. um, uh, scarves coming out of right. his shirt yeah so you know so it can be like something factually has happened um you know somebody maybe didn't listen to your feelings somebody didn't acknowledge your feelings that's a fact that happened the internalized belief is my feelings don't matter i don't matter and then we end up with repressed feelings which leads to addictions and it leads to other issues in our life depression anxiety all sorts of things solely because of some situations some of us had situations that happened over and over again so it actually feels like it's true. You know what? I, I hear kids um, in, in my work as a coach, I hear kids say things like, you know, I'm not worthy or I'm not good enough or, you know, I'm just not good at school or I'm not a good student or, you know, people don't like me. And, yeah. and it may only be based on, you know, they had one negative experience or maybe a small handful of experiences but they've now generalized into a larger um, thought process. Is that how these really negative thoughts get embedded yeah. and created? Yeah. yeah. So my clients will go back to, you know, scenes exactly like that. So mm -hmm. I had warts on my hands as a child, you know, so I had lots of warts. I used to get taken to the, to the um, doctors. They'd try and burn them off. We tried all sorts of old wives' tales, rubbing an apple on them, burying the other half of the apple, <laughs> things that we'd, you know, things that we'd been told would help. And, but I would go to school, I would get teased, I got called warp bum, uh, kids wouldn't hold my hands. And so I was like, well, I can't connect, I'm different, I don't belong, I don't fit in, nobody likes me. And, and then I got very body conscious because it was like, you know, very physical. It wasn't about me as a personality not being liked, it was attached to my physical being. So, you know, these are, these are situations that can happen and of course, I would go home and be upset and my mum and dad would support me and love me and comfort me. But then I'd go back into school and the kids would tease me and you'd, you'd go to sport. And if there was like dancing and you had to hold hands, I'd be last to be picked. All of those things. Yeah. Can be, I'm not good enough. I don't, you know, and then you end up not liking yourself and your self-esteem gets lower and lower and lower. So it's not necessarily like, because uh, a lot of times when I've heard people talk about this, they say, oh, well, if your parents say that you know, money doesn't grow in trees, so we never have enough. That's yeah. where your beliefs come from. Or they might say, uh, money is the root of all evil. Therefore, you know, you don't want money, you push it away. Mm -hmm. um, so it can happen both internally, like you can come up with those generalizations on your own, or they could be from your family or friends. Absolutely. So it can be something that somebody said to you. So somebody said that I was fat. Somebody pointed out that I had a bit of, you know, belly fat. So then my assumption, my belief was I'm overweight. I'm always going to be overweight. I'm always going to be fat. I'm always going to have this problem. They didn't say to me, you're always going to be, but that's how my mind. <laughs> that's how you generalized it. it. Mm -hmm. That's how my mind took it on board. And of course, so many things go into it, society, what's going on around us. So it can be that they're created specifically from something that somebody says to us, um, or it can be from the situation. And our little brain is calculating what's going on and making up something. This must mean <laughs> that I am. Because when you're children, you can't look up at parents and go, 
you guys have got some serious problems and actually you're not <laughs> you're not very healthy you know say you're living in a family that's got addiction or alcoholism right. you know like you don't go actually your drinking's really bad and it's naughty and it's you know you go oh wow this is what we do this is what our family does and you internalize yeah, it if, it's, if that's all you, you know how would yeah. you know differently right that's that's right now as an adult i can look at others behaviors and i can you know, have that perception and judgment of whether that's good or in my life and say, actually, I don't want those type of people in my life. You know, I'm not saying they're good or bad people. It's just that actually I don't want that in my life. But as a child, you know, with especially with parents and caregivers, you're dependent on them for your survival. So your mind doesn't go, <laughs> you guys have got serious issues. It goes, oh, there must be something wrong with me. My right. mum didn't, didn't pay me attention because I'm not lovable rather than my mum can't love me because of her own trauma and because of her own history and because of what happened to my mum or my dad's angry all the time and and so you know it, it must be because mm -hmm. i've done something wrong i've caused it right the child mind, that's how the child mind interprets it like i've done something wrong instead of actually that behavior belongs to you yeah well as kids i think we are you know when we're when we're young when we're children we are very self-involved we are very self yeah. focused almost narcissistic yeah. even i think absolutely we we yeah. are just you know like from zero to seven we're in the subconscious yeah. um brain wave of hypnosis right basically. we're just sucking things in like a that sponge. is very true that is exactly <laughs> what it's like i yeah. know you're a hypnotherapist so am i you're exactly yeah. right you know i always imagine the people sitting in front of a tv and watching the news and they get all this information fed to them Mm -hmm. And then they go about and they go to a party the next week and they, they have this belief, but they don't really know where it came from. So when somebody challenges it, they don't know how to defend it. Yeah. And instead they just get angry. Now yeah. you are a bad person for, for even challenging me yes. in my belief, not because I really believe it, but because I can't defend it. I don't know where it came from. <laughs> yeah. And the mind is so strong, it will go to that defense. You know, like, yes. I think of the of the mind like a childlike lawyer. So, you know, like it's very childish because it's picked up these beliefs in, in childhood. So, mm -hmm. you know, and they could be very self-involved um, beliefs. It's all about me or it should be all about me, you know. Um, or everything happening is all about me. We don't have this um, understanding that other people's behavior is about them and their histories and their experiences. So it must be me. I must have caused this. And then it goes, the lawyer part goes to prove it. So, yeah. you know, somebody that comes to me who doesn't believe they're worthy or good enough, they will go to the supermarket to do their grocery shopping and somebody will hit them with a trolley and they'll go, oh, it's because I'm not good enough. I was in the way I caused it instead of like, no, that woman had four kids hanging off the trolley. She was distracted. It was absolutely nothing to do with me. The mind's going, see, there's more proof. There you are, Fazia. See, you're not a good enough. Look, <laughs> even that person ran into you. You know, like that's how powerful these right. are. And it these is powerful. It is mm. powerful. Absolutely. What are and some of the those... time it's oh, <laughs> sorry, I was just gonna say a lot of the time it's not conscious either. So I'm not consciously thinking that in the supermarket, but that's how I react, you know, or someone Absolutely. with would react. Yeah. Absolutely. And you can even see it when you're at the grocery store, when you're at the mall, or you know, at the park, even the how somebody reacts to you, sometimes it's it's a little surprising. And you have to take a step back and think, wait a second, this had nothing to do with me. Yeah. This is all internal for them. Yeah. And it's just how they see it. It It is their perspective. Yeah. 
But when Absolutely. you've grown up, when you've grown up with the belief that I'm responsible for other people's feelings, you even become responsible for strangers' feelings. That is true. <laughs> I've seen people do that too, where they're like trying to calm the person down. Whereas, you know, for someone who might be a little bit more aware, they might just say, you know, have a great day and walk away, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, absolutely. What are, what are the most common beliefs that affect people's ability to function on a daily basis effectively? Yeah. So the, the number one we've already mentioned, I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. You know, I'm not fill in the blanks. I'm not smart enough, rich enough, successful enough, creative enough, slim enough, pretty enough. You know, um, it can just be generalized. I'm not enough. And then when we don't feel like we're enough, we don't push ourselves for more. We don't um, take risks. We don't push ourselves to excel. We don't try to be our best because we've constantly got this program, this belief running that I'm not enough. Uh, I'm different. I can't fit in. I don't connect. I don't belong. That's also a massive one. So when we're children, we just want to fit in. We want to be the same. I like Barbie. I like Barbie too, you know, and right. then the kid's like, who's Barbie? I don't have a Barbie. Oh my God, you're so strange. You're so weird. How do you not know who Barbie is? You know, right, um, right. you feel different. You, you, you want to connect. Then when we go to, you know, function out in the world and we want to push ourselves and, and, you know, function effectively and be the best that we can be, we don't create our unique personality because we've tried to fit in and belong, you know? So we've got this conflict between I've mm -hmm. got to fit in, but I've got to be unique and special and wonderful, you know? Like, so we have these conflicting beliefs. As I've mentioned, what I want is not available to me and never will be. That is huge. I get so many clients going back to that. Money's not available to me. Like you said, money doesn't grow on trees. Money's the root of all evil, things like that mm -hmm. stem from that. My job's not available to me. A career, a promotion, you know, I'm always just going to be at this level. Happiness is not available to me. I get so much happiness and then I get shunted back down. Right. Um, I'm not significant. I don't matter. My feelings don't matter. That then sometimes means again, people do we don't it, put ourselves out there. Sometimes people do it to each other too. Like I've had people tell me when I wanted to start my, my magazine, they're like, oh, well, you can't do that. And I turned around and I asked them, I said, okay, why, why not? And they had no answer. Because yeah. that was their internal dialogue. Yeah. I always say this is something I learned in Alcoholics Anonymous. One finger pointing out, three fingers pointing back at me. <laughs> you know, so when I'm saying you can't do it, it's actually because I believe I can't do it. When I'm saying you're not good enough, it's actually because I believe that I'm not good enough. You yeah, know? So it's interesting. We, I've never heard that before. <laughs> yeah, we, we project our, our insecurities, our doubts, our beliefs onto those around us, whether they have them or not. We project them. We accuse people of um, lying or cheating because we're lying or cheating. You know, like we project it, it's um, uh, one of the things that we do as humans and we don't realize we're doing it a lot of the time. But when you know, I you're think very that, right. I, <laughs> as you point your finger, yeah, I have noticed that somebody who I know has lied to me before will actually try to like convince me that I'm not telling them the truth. And, I, you know, you kind of have to look at them and say, no, 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 no. That's yeah. really not how it is. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. It's like when I say to my, accuse my partner of like eating too much junk food and I've been eating junk food and I'm feeling bad about it or something, you know, like I'm projecting my feeling of bad about eating junk food onto him. You know, what he eats is none of my business really. Right. But it's like, it's like this, <laughs> if I'm actually doing okay in myself, I don't look at those kind of things, you know? Um, and so the more that we can clear these beliefs, like, like the one I mentioned about the mummy and daddy fighting and I'm powerless or something happened to, happening to us when we're children 
and we, we believe that we're powerless, that then affects our ability to problem solve because we see ourselves as helpless. We see ourselves as a victim that creates anxiety. So then we can't, you know, uh, if we believe I didn't make the right decision back here, how am I going right, to make a new a right decision now and in the future? Uh, I can't right. make mistakes. I need to be perfect. That then leads to either overworking because we're pushing ourselves to be perfect all the time, or we go to procrastination because I can't do everything perfectly. So if I can't do everything perfectly, I'm not going to do anything at all. You know, uh, I, so I see that perfectionist, uh, that perfectionistic style of dealing with things with a lot of gifted people. I see that uh, where they're, they're not reaching that perfectionism. And so they just stop working because, well, if I can't reach that level of perfection, why try? Why even yeah. focus on doing it anymore? Just move on to something else or don't do anything. Yeah. And really but, fascinating. You, know, you, have massive ta- you have massive lists, task lists of things to do that need to be achieved. But to actually think that I have to do every single one of them perfectly. Oh, wow. That's overwhelming. You know, and what is perfectly anyway? Because what I think of perfect and what you think of as perfect will be completely different. You know, exactly. so it's like this, this um, unrealistic perfection. And it can be from experiences where you'd go home and you'd say, I got 98% on the maths test. And your dad jokingly says, what about the other 2%? And then you're like, oh, I'm only good enough if I get 100%. But I can't Mm -hmm. get 100% all the time. So then I slack off and then I start drinking and drugging and smoking and doing all these other things. What's the point? (laughs) And sometimes it's not even your abilities that are an issue. Some some teachers just never give 100%. That's right. Some teachers will say, I don't give 100% because there's always room for growth. Unless, of course, it's a math test, then yeah, okay, fine. You got all the points, <laughs> you know, but, you know, for, for some teachers, they just don't do that. Wow. I've never heard that, but it doesn't, it doesn't surprise Well, I've been me. in the field of education for a very long time. There are teachers yeah. that will not give 100%. Wow. Yeah, because they just think that people want to keep striving. And, There's always yeah. that room for improvement. There's always something that you could have done better. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like that, don't get too big for your boots. Who do you think you are, young lady? You know, like, you're not allowed to be too good, you know? So, so like, I've had experiences with clients where they've gone to scenes where they've been brought down because they're too intelligent, and then they've been, um, you know, built back kind of, up built back up and they've got these conflicts like I'm too good I'm not allowed to be too good because then I'm going to lose friends but I can't be too bad either because then I'm going to lose friends and so how do I get this and they're, they're just constantly going through this conflict of pushing themselves oh, no can't you know like they can't quite reach the success that they want because if I'm successful people aren't going to like me people are going to be jealous you know um, have experiences I'm going to negatively affect someone if I'm too successful, if I'm too good. Well, you've heard this uh, statement, you know, it's lonely at the top. Well, Mm. if I get too successful, I'll be lonely. So I don't want to reach that level, but I'm okay here. You know, just, just, just below that, that really high level, I'll still have friends, but if I get too um, successful, then yeah, it's not going to work out for me. And that's the perfect example of how a belief is created. Yeah. Somebody's saying it's lonely at the top. You know? Right. I've, I've heard people say things like that. It, it always shocks me when I hear certain statements because in my family, we didn't talk like that. So it always kind of surprises me. Yeah. 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 It's very fascinating. Um, how do, how do these beliefs affect us? Like 
Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so the beliefs uh, affect us in so many ways. They can cause addictions, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, anxiety, depression, overeating, workaholism, perfectionism, procrastination, like so many different things that these things can affect in us. So, you know, like I said earlier, the mind's like a childlike lawyer trying to prove these beliefs. So basically the thoughts and the beliefs that we think habitually actually become our reality. So if I'm constantly thinking I'm powerless, then I'm going to end up in situations where I feel powerless. If I constantly think that I'm not good enough, then I'm going to constantly feel not good enough. And when I don't feel good enough, why would I want to give myself healthy food? Why would I want to exercise regularly? Why would I want to treat myself well? Why would I want to push myself to excel, take risks, you know, step out of that fear of loneliness at the top and actually go to the yeah. top and see, <laughs> and see, like, what is it like at the top? Because I can always right. go back down, you know. Um, what else is up to... there? You know, maybe, I, maybe right. it's not so lonely. <laughs> I'm sure there's someone else at the top of the mountain, you know, like, um, they can, they can lead There's to always the Sherpas. <laughs> That's right. Someone's got to help you to get there, right? We never Somebody. get to the top alone. That's Somebody. right. Um, they can lead to repressed feelings, physical issues, you know? So like when we think, even if I just use that one example again, what I want is not available to me and never will be. Mm -hmm. Every time I try and get what I want, something will come and block that. That could be my own self. I could start procrastinating or I could stop taking action, or I could have an accident, I could fall over, I could slip back into bad, unhealthy eating or addictions, because I'm getting close to what I've said to my mind, I'm not allowed. Right. You've you know? So you're starting to create ways to sabotage yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, how could they do that? So the best way to get in touch with me is through my website, which is LorraineMaguire.com. So just LorraineMaguire.com or I'm on Facebook and Instagram, Lorraine Maguire Therapy. I'm not hugely active on social media, but I am on there. So those are the best ways to get in touch with me. Wow. Thank you. Um, if you're looking to get in touch with me, you can go to my website, executivefunctioncoachaz.com. And you can subscribe to our magazine, Executive Function Magazine, which is now a monthly magazine. So um, don't forget to subscribe and then uh, you'll get an email. Once you get that email for confirmation, make sure you click on that email and then you'll get a copy of the magazine. You can subscribe to the magazine at any time. If you're looking to get in touch with me, we also have um, ex uh, the mind print assessment that we're offering right now for $350. Um, if you'd like to take that mind print assessment, you can give me a call at 480-648-1122 or you can send me a message through our website down at the very bottom of our homepage, there's a contact uh, button. You can click on that and it will send me an email directly. And we'll be back after these messages. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. If you are struggling with organization, time management, or other executive functions, Bozzi Acosti 
is ready to put you on the path to success. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Fozzie works with in-person clients at her Phoenix, Arizona office or with clients anywhere across the country remotely. Mention that you heard this ad from the Focus on Success radio show and receive a free initial consultation with Fozzie plus $50 off an intake evaluation, a $300 value. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com or call 480-648-1122. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Focus on Success. To reach Fozzie Acosti or her guest on the live show, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Fazia at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Now, back to Focus on Success. Hi, welcome back. I'm Fazia Costi, and today we're meeting with Lorraine McGuire. Welcome back, Lorraine. Thank you. So I would love to start with a new topic. Um, how can childhood experiences affect our ability to learn? Yeah, so I've actually got a client example for this because um, let's call her Mandy. Mandy came to me and she was struggling to learn. She's in her 40s and she's like, I want to learn these new things. I want to grow. I want to develop, but was really getting blocked and was really struggling to, to learn new things. So under hypnosis in the session, she went back to a five-year-old who didn't know what was going on. She's just gone to school, first day at school. She's unsure what people are talking about. She feels dumb. English isn't her first language. So, you know, she doesn't understand at that age, well, the reason I'm not understanding it is because English isn't my first language. She just goes, I'm dumb. Straight away, there's the first belief. Then she goes to a scene where she's 14 and the teacher is saying, you're all hopeless. You know, you're never going to amount to anything and none of you are going to amount to anything. And basically, well, then what do you think? Well, I feel hopeless. The teacher's telling me I'm hopeless. Then she goes into a class and at the age of 15, she's trying to understand this new maths and she doesn't understand it. She actually knows on some level that she could learn if she paid attention, but by now it's not cool to learn. So she's been picked on and bullied for being smart and learning and doing her homework. So to fit in and be like everyone else, she has decided not to not to work hard. Then later on, she's 28, she's trying to go to university. They were given a, 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 a problem to solve. She goes to the teacher and she solved the problem, but the teacher doesn't understand how. She's got the right answer, but the teacher's like, that's not the way that I've done it. So then she feels like her thought processes are wrong, even though she got the answer right. So now she's in her 40s and the part of her mind that was blocking her from learning says, I'm keeping you in your safety zone. I'm, you know, because implementing change, it changes things. And I need to maintain the status quo because that's what's Mm -hmm. safe. That's what kept her safe at high school when Mm -hmm. it wasn't, when she was in a classroom where she was told she was hopeless and she was told, and, and when you tried to excel, the other kids felt bad. And so she needed to be the same as everyone else under hypnosis and in those sessions, it's about helping her to learn in a new way that actually she does have the ability to learn. She's not a child now. She actually has English and Maori, so she can speak both her native language and, you know, English. 
that she's not a 14 year old with a teacher we get you know tell the teacher to get out of here who are you to tell me that you know um get get her mind to understand that she's not doing this to fit in that actually for her actually learning is cool you know changing that belief so those childhood experiences set up in her beliefs that i'm dumb i'm hopeless i can't learn and the truth was it was like actually it wasn't that she couldn't learn it was the fact that her mind had said no no it's safe it's not safe to learn and just be the same as all these other dumb kids you know and fit in but she was never happy with that but that's what her mind did to protect her and keep her safe so then when she's trying to learn as an adult she's just blocked so clearing those beliefs upgrading those things has then affected her ability to learn because now she can learn she can spend as much time as she wants in the library it's her choice no one's gonna and and if somebody does say to her oh my god you're such a book swat even at 44 she can be like yeah so what so you know because she can stand up for herself now she can yeah now that she's an adult she can say it's not your business also (laughs) that's right it's like who cares if i choose to spend five hours at the library you know um it's something that i want to do and she's now able to take on board all these um things that she never thought she would be able to learn because that's purely awesome. because of a belief. Yeah. Yeah. No, giving somebody that freedom must feel so good for, for her and for you. You know, yeah. I, I know for me, whenever I help somebody and, and it works out really well, I, I feel good because mm-hmm. they got what they needed. You know, it, it really brings me joy to see someone else getting what they need and being happy and, and having that um, transformation that they need in their lives. Um, Absolutely. And you get, you get, um, you know, clients going back to scenes where they think they're dumb or useless or incapable of learning. And, and it's because like they, they couldn't learn it maybe as fast as the other kids. So I had one guy, he went back to like, it was like a study group and everyone got in the study group, understood it. And so he pretended he understood it, even though he didn't because everyone else understood it. So his three mates understood it, he didn't. But instead of saying, can you explain it again? He went, yeah, yeah, I understand it, but to fit in again and to be safe and to not be the one that stood out. But then he thought he was dumb. And I said to him in the session, did you eventually learn it? Did you, do you understand it today? Like, and he's like, and I was like, did you learn how to write? Yes. Did you learn your times tables? Yes. Did you learn the dictionary? Yes. Did you? And so it's like, you can learn. It's just that your mind thinks you can't. It doesn't even see the truth of all the things that you have learnt, that you didn't learn it maybe as fast as your friends, but you did eventually learn it. So our learning paces might be different, but you got there in the end. I might have to read a book. Somebody might read a book and get it in one time. I might have to read a book three times before I get it, but I still get it. I can still do it if I apply myself. Let's talk a little bit about executive function. How can these beliefs affect our executive functioning skills? Yeah. So like if you think of some of the executive functions like time management, you know, so I'm lazy, I'm useless. I've always been told I'm lazy, you know, all your lazy bones, you know, so how are we going to manage our time? Or I'm late to everything. That's my favorite. Yes. Yes. You're always late. Like always is like a programming word, right? You know, and so organizational skills. I mean, we've got a a saying here, I hope this isn't offensive, but you couldn't organize a piss up in a brewery, you know, so you, (laughs) and of course you go to a brewery, there's alcohol everywhere, you know, so you could, you know, that you couldn't, or a bun fight in a bakery, you know, and it's like, you're, you're told these things and you internalize them, you know? So basically I'm hearing, I can't organize things. And so then I go into the, into the workplace and somebody says, you know, 
<laughs> the job description, organizational skills. <gasps> oh, well, I can't, or I couldn't organize a bun fight in a bakery, so I can't go for that job, you know? Mm -hmm. um, memory was a huge one for me. Like you've got a memory <laughs> like a sieve. You've got a memory like a goldfish. I don't know whether that was true or whether I was just a kid and I wasn't really listening or paying attention because it wasn't interesting to me. I didn't want to remember it. It was boring or whatever, but you're told these things. Or maybe your brain wasn't developed enough that, you know, you, you didn't have those executive functioning skills. That's right. And so then we go through life saying things to people like, oh, I've got a memory like a sieve. Oh, I can't remember things. Oh, you know. And so then we're creating the very, you know, memory problems. Focus and attention. You know, you're told in a, in a classroom, um, you know, my report cards, you know, she could do better if she just focused more and paid attention. You know, so you're getting these messages that, oh, I can't focus. I can't pay attention. And then they go out and we go out into the workplace. We go out into the world. We want to create the careers that we want, but we've got all these blocks and all these beliefs affecting mm -hmm. us. Um, you know, prioritization. If I don't think that I'm worth prioritizing, how do I learn to prioritize different things? If I'm right. not worthy, I'm not good enough. That affects my ability to prioritize, to plan. You know, like when I lack a, a belief in myself and my abilities, it affects all of these um, skills that we want to function effectively out in the world. I'm helpless. I'm powerless. Like I've said before, that has a massive um, impact on our ability to problem solve because there's a problem presented to us and we freeze in the, I can't do this. I am powerless. I'm helpless. And these, again, these things aren't always conscious, you know, so I'm not consciously necessarily thinking all of these things, but because these beliefs are so embedded in me, they manifest as procrastination, as avoidance, as the freeze, you know, not, not doing anything. They affect us in so many different ways. You know, some of them might be these just the way we talk about ourselves. You right. Know? Um, and your and subconscious is always listening. So whether you, would you, whether you're listening consciously or not, your subconscious is always listening. Yeah. So what you tell yourself is important. Yeah, yeah. So for example, I had a client who came to me for procrastination and decision-making and he went back to a scene where he was abused as a child. And when he, the abuse happened, he didn't know whether to tell his mum and dad or not. He didn't know what was right or wrong. He was worried about hurting his mum and dad. He was worried about getting in trouble. He didn't know what to do, what was the right thing to do. So he did, he did nothing. And then his mind was like, you can't make a decision now you won't be able to make decisions in the future. You mm. don't have the ability to make decisions. You wow. know? So I'm preventing you making decisions because it's easier. Because if you make a decision, someone's going to get hurt. You know, the abuser's going to get hurt and get in trouble. <laughs> my mum and, and dad will be hurt because of what happened. Or, you know, maybe they were partly to, to, maybe they were involved somehow, you know, like they brought this person into the child's life or whatever. So they didn't, <gasps> You know, so all of these things led and you would think, well, hang on, how has abuse led to that? But this is how trauma yeah. can affect us in so many different ways. Abuse led to him having an inability to make decisions and to procrastinate in his life. Wow. And then that affected him in the workplace, that affected him in relationships. Anytime he had to make a decision, he would procrastinate about it for so long until either somebody else made the decision or the decision got taken out of his hands because of time. Fascinating. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. And like you say, the subconscious is always listening. If I say I'm a loser, then I'm going to feel and act like a loser. 
my, mm. my mind, the subconscious mind doesn't care whether it's real or imagined, true or false. It just accepts right. it. Right. And whatever your definition of that is, That's you right. know, everyone has their own definition of what that means for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about rapid transformational therapy. What is that? Yeah, so rapid transformational therapy is a therapy that was created by a woman called Marissa Peer in the UK. And she's been a therapist for over 30 years and she took all her experience and put rapid transformational therapy together. So I trained with her in London in 2017. It's a hybrid therapy. It combines you know, beneficial principles of hypnotherapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, neural linguistic programming, psychotherapy. It takes different modalities and she's put them into a method that helps people transform these very beliefs that we've been talking about. You I know, love so, it. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's transformed my life and many of my clients. And how long did it take you to become a rapid transformational therapist? So I did the uh, two was it two weeks, two weeks intensive in London. And then there was a, a year of online training. But after the two weeks, I was seeing people straight away. So, you know, like I was learning and practicing as I went. So, um, yeah, so and then, of course, ongoing, you know, I'm continuously upskilling and continuously learning. But um, yeah, the two week intensive, I'm not sure how it's run now, if it's slightly different, but there's online learning versus the in person. And I did a mixture of both. And how long have you been doing this? Uh, over five years now. So I started in July 2017. Wow. You started in July. So you didn't get sick that July. I didn't get sick that <laughs> July. Yes, we were talking just about how I had a pattern of being sick. Yes. And I'm like, was I sick that July? I, I don't think I was. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good year for you. That was I a love good it. Year. <laughs> so how does it help your clients change their beliefs and function more effectively in their lives when you use this type of therapy? What is it? Yeah. What does it really do for them? Yeah, so I believe like the mind is like a computer and just like a computer, the mind has rules. So, you know, like if I say to my, um, say, for example, my email inbox, if I say, always send um, Fazia's emails to my radio interviews inbox, then that's a direct instruction. That's what my computer will do. If I say never open Fazia's emails, it'll send them to spam, you know, and I can, we can program things like that. And right. so with rapid transformational therapy in sessions with clients, I help them uncover these subconscious beliefs that we've been talking about and either upgrade them or delete them. So just like I upgrade the software on my phone, even my watch, my laptop, you know, like these days, why wouldn't I update the software of my mind? So we go back, we find the software where it was created in the past, you know, we see what that software is, is that's running, what's the beliefs, what are the programs that are running, what are the rules of the mind? So like the mind loves what's familiar. So it's just, it might just be a familiar pattern. Oh, I drink because my family drank, my friends drank. I don't actually want to be drinking, but this is what you do. Um, we find those, we upgrade them, we delete them, we transform them. I send my clients away with a hypnotic recording to listen to. And so, and then after a certain amount of time, I check in with them and see what transformation is happening. That hypnotic recording is, is rewiring the subconscious mind. And how so, often do they listen to that recording? Every day. Yeah. So every day for a minimum of 21 days, it can be longer. Like some clients need 
if they've had something in their life for 20, 30, 40 years, 21 days might not be enough. Um, sometimes you'll need more than one session. So everybody's different for the amount of sessions that they'll need. Um, but basically, under hypnosis, we can go back to those memories, back to those times that created the issue in their life. So what is the issue that you're facing? And then what's underneath that? How do you, you know? find that issue? Is that through hypnosis? Is it through, um, you know, having a conversation with them? What, what do you do to find the issue? Yeah, so some people will come to me and they'll say they're really clear, you know, so I want to lose weight. I want to stop drinking. I want to, you know, um, make better decisions. <laughs> some, okay. people have got, some people have got lists of things that they, you know, like, or it's just <laughs> like some people actually know they don't feel good enough. So sometimes that is the issue, you know. So I always say to people, what's the thing that's causing you the most distress in your life? So if they've got multiple issues, I always say, what's the thing that's causing you the most distress or the most dis discomfort? That's the thing that we start with. So that might be, um, you know, my time management skills. That might be my poor memory. Mm -hmm. That might be, you know, an addiction. That might be anxiety, panic attacks. And so that's where we start. And then I'll be like, I'm taking you back to the root cause and the reason for this symptom, for the panic attacks, for the mm -hmm. anxiety, for the poor time management, for the perfection and procrastination, etc. Then your mind will naturally take you back to where these things started memories where something's happened, a situation in your life where your mind has made it mean, this must mean that I'm helpless. Oh, my mum says I'm lazy, so I must be lazy. My dad says I'm undisciplined, so I must be undisciplined. Um, you know, my friends don't like me because of something that happened, so therefore I'm not likable, you know? And, it, and we find these things through multiple scenes, multiple different techniques within a session. Uh, to then upgrade them. And I will try and use as much as possible the client's language and the client's words. So if a client goes back to scene after scene after scene where they say, I'm not lovable, I'm not going to do them a recording that says that you're worthy and enough. I'm going to do them a recording that's going to tell them that they are lovable and give them examples and proof as to why they're lovable. And most clients can go back and comfort their younger self and go, you know what, you did the best you could. You know, um, this is what happened to you, but it's not who you are. You know, this isn't true. You like using the, the guy previously or the, the lady previously, you did learn, you can learn. Right. You know, like just because a teacher said that you're hopeless, that's not true. That was the teacher probably having a really bad day and just going, ah, you're all hopeless, you know. And, right. And, and, you know, you don't need to take that on board. And so upgrading and changing those beliefs. Most of the time people are really good at going but that's not true you know like mm -hmm. so they go what are, what are the beliefs I'm not good enough and then they themselves will go but that's not true I am good enough so then that's just the disconnect between the subconscious and the conscious and we bring mm -hmm. them to, to equal each other I am enough on all levels I am worthy I am lovable I can learn I can do this I've I love this. it do you hear from your clients like maybe a year or two or three or five years later where they've done the things that they want to do? Yes, yeah, some of them I have. Yeah, like one lady, she came to me. She was what I call a one session wonder because she was almost um, agoraphobic, almost hardly leaving her house. And she had one session and I explained to her, you know, after the session, this is about belief. 
you can choose to believe this has worked for you or you can choose to believe that you need 15, 20, 30 sessions. Like, what's your choice, you know? I probably did myself out of some sessions there, but that's okay. Um, and, you know, like when she contacted me, she was, um, she'd gone for a promotion at work. Her bosses had been like, what? You know, like she was asking for more work to do, you know, and she'd been the kind of quiet mouse just doing the bare minimum to get by. She had accepted all these invitations that people had constantly been inviting her to. She'd started going to all of these things. She'd booked a trip to go overseas. She'd started salsa dancing. And I was blown away because she had one session and the anxiety was so strong in her that I even I was thinking, wow, she's gonna need a few sessions to break through this. And literally she had one session. I've got some clients that have done work with me on certain issues and then come back to me a year later and being like that was so successful I've now got this issue that I want to work on you know so I have nice. yeah so I have different ways of working with people I have you know like people that can just do the one session I've got a nine-week transformation package where you see me once a week for nine weeks I've got a three session package where you see me once a month for three months you know I've got different things depending on once I have a chat with a potential person what their issues are, what they need, what support, what level of accountability. You know, some people need a little bit more pushing. Some people can self-motivate, you know. Mm -hmm. So I kind of work with each different client um, on what they need as opposed to this is the way that I work and only the way that I work. Yeah, no, I love it. I, I love that you really customize this to your client. And I love that they call you back and tell you their results later. That's I mean, that's really important to see what their transformation has been. Yeah. And it's good yeah. because I get people like referring and they'll say, oh, you know, so-and-so referred me because, you know, you helped them so much. And I'm like, who was it again? And I look up at their client and I go, oh yeah, that's right. You know, because I can't remember some of them for over five years and I'll go and they go, oh, they're so happy and life's so good. They sent me to you. You know, um, I have a follow-up process myself that I do follow up with them. So, you know, um, some people get back to me, some people don't, and you never know why. It could be that they're having huge success. Or it could be that they're feeling like they haven't done the work or something, you know, because right. I, can't, I can't come into your bedroom every night and put your hypnotic recording on for you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> There's some things we have but to do. why ourselves. not? <laughs> I know, right? If only I had that power. <laughs> well, you know, to be that powerful is impressive. <laughs> so... Let's talk a little bit about the advice you would give your um, our listeners who are wanting uh, to function more effectively. Are there any tips that you can give our listeners that might help them improve their lives? Yeah, so I think the number one thing is to start becoming aware of your language. What are you saying? What are the words that you're saying either out loud as you talk to people or as you are thinking about yourself and then flip the script. So, you know, like if you're catching yourself, so for example, I used to go to see friends, new people, go to a meeting or something and, and say, how are you? And I'd say, I'm busy and tired. You know, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was tired all the time because that's what I said. So I started to flip it. I'm full of energy or I have enough energy to do all the things that I need to do. And now that's true. So when someone sees me, if I go, yeah. I'm tired, I go, oh, I'm feeling a little tired at the moment, but actually I'm over good. I catch it really quickly because I don't want to invent a new, a new thing. You know, I have a memory like a sieve. I say every day in the shower, I have an incredible, awesome, amazing memory. 
You know, I've got a memory like an elephant, you know, an elephant never forgets, you know, right. so flip, flipping the script. Now, it might not be true at first. So when I first started doing this, I came across Marissa through her YouTube videos and I saw a video of hers that was all like, I'm not enough. And she says, put I am enough on your mirrors, write it everywhere, put it everywhere. I mean, I've got up there, I'm strong, I'm beautiful, I'm enough. Down in front of me here, I've got I am enough. Around the corner, I am enough. On my mirrors, I'm enough, you know. I just put it everywhere and I started saying it even though I didn't believe it. You know, I started saying I'm slim, fit and healthy when I wasn't slim, fit and healthy, you know. So it's catching those things that you say about yourself, catching those negative beliefs, becoming aware of them mm -hmm. and then writing them out loud, saying them out loud. Get your voice memos and say, Lorraine, you are enough. You are worthy. You are lovable. You've got an amazing, make yourself a little recording. Listen to it every single night, you know. Um, go to sleep to it, wake to it, walk to it, drive to it, you know, like program your subconscious with repetition because your mind, like a computer, learns through repetition over and over and over and then it becomes true. So I started doing all these things when they didn't feel true. But now they like, are. <laughs> yeah. When I was like, when I used to do things like this, I'd have a panic attack beforehand. I'd be deep breathing. I'd be like, oh, my sweating, oh, you know, like, and now I just tell myself I'm calm, relaxed and confident. I'm calm, relaxed and confident. And that's become my reality. I am calm, relaxed and confident. But I had to tell myself that first before it became true. I love it. Last question. What advice would you give your 20 year old self? Oh, my 20 year old self. Okay. So I was drinking quite heavily at 20 year old. So I'd say stop drinking. <laughs> Um, you know, step one. <laughs> step one, stop drinking, which I did at 24. So she wasn't too far behind. But um, I would actually just tell her that she is lovable, that she is likable, that she's funny, that she's smart, that she's creative, that she can do whatever she wants, that she doesn't have to fit in, that she can be herself, that she'll still be liked, you know, that, you know, and when she grows up, you know, and when she becomes old, you know, like I said the other day, if I could look back at my 24 year old self and when I got sober and say, you'll be 45, you'll be going to morning raves, you'll be dancing for seven hours at music festivals, you'll be um, living the life of your dreams, you'll be swimming, dancing, running, bouncing on trampolines, and you'll be 45 and you'll be sober doing everything. I wouldn't have believed it. So I think I would have told my younger self that you can do this and just believe it. I love it. It is possible. Yeah. And how can someone get in touch with you again? <laughs> um, so yeah, contact me on LorraineMaguire.com or find me on social media, Facebook or Instagram, Lorraine Maguire Therapy. Thank you so much, Lorraine. It's been a pleasure. And if you're looking to get in touch with me, you can go to executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Uh, make sure you subscribe to our magazine, Executive Function Magazine. Um, it is actually going to be a monthly publication starting January 2023. So uh, we'd love to send you a copy. Um, if you're looking to write an article for the magazine, you can send me uh, your request via our website. Our contact page um, is the very front page. And there is a contact tab on the bottom of that page. Um, if you'd like to be on the radio, please send me your information there as well. And I just want to give a quick shout out to our listeners. Without you, this would not be possible. So I want to say thank you and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to Focus on Success. Please join your host, Fazia Costi, for another program next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Until we talk again, have a great week.